Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Today is another episode of Sky Pilot where we ask the question, is that in the Bible? This one is about Mary Magdalene. So let's talk about the woman who is arguably the second most important woman in the New Testament. I think most people would agree that if there were such a thing as the most important woman in the New Testament award, it would have to go to, of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She wins, hands down. There aren't even any other potential nominees. But as for who's second, I don't think there'd be much argument about that one either. It has to be Mary Magdalene. Okay, I admit there was no surprise reveal here. You already knew this episode was about her. So let's start with a brief true-false quiz to test our knowledge about this important woman. Which of the following four statements about Mary Magdalene are true and which are false? Number one, she stayed near Jesus during the crucifixion. Number two, She was a former prostitute. Number three, she was the first person to see Jesus resurrected. Number four, she was a financial supporter of Jesus. Now, before we get into answering to these, I want to jump to my earliest awareness of Mary Magdalene, and I promise I'll come back to the questions. I'd love to tell you, as I heard Bible stories in my childhood, I was fascinated by this woman who was one of Jesus' disciples. But sadly, that's not the case. I'm embarrassed to say I never even noticed her. I'm not even sure any of the Sunday school stories of my childhood included her. They were way too focused on the glitzy miracles like walking on water, restoring sight to the blind, and feeding the 5,000 to pay attention to the parts of the New Testament that included this wonderfully important woman. When I became aware of her was age 14 when I got the soundtrack to the original London version of Jesus Christ Superstar by Andrew Lloyd Webber. This rock opera did more to open the pages of scripture and the stories of Jesus to my imagination than did anything else I can remember up until that time. And because of it, suddenly Jesus And his disciples became people who really lived and were dealing with real-life important issues. And in the midst of this group of people was Mary Magdalene. She simultaneously seemed to kind of get who Jesus was and what he was about, and yet was looked down upon by the other disciples, or at least really looked down upon by Judas. So allow me for a moment to play an audio clip from Jesus Christ Superstar that captures that moment of Judas questioning Jesus as to why this woman, Mary Magdalene, is even a part of their group. This isn't the whole song, so it starts with a fade-in that's a little rough. I'm not an audio technician, and it shows on this particular clip, but bear with me. It seems to me a strange thing, mystifying that a man like you Time 
This is the Mary Magdalene I grew up knowing about. The reformed woman of ill repute who was a follower of Jesus. So who's the Mary Magdalene who you know about? Which brings us back to the four true-false statements. Let's go over them again. The first one, she stayed near Jesus during the crucifixion. That one's true. Number two, she was a former prostitute. That one's false. Number three, she was the first person to see Jesus resurrected. That one's true. Number four, she was a financial supporter of Jesus. That one's true. So, of these four statements, only one turned out to be false, and it was probably the only thing I knew for sure about her during my teenage and early adult years. Mary Magdalene is often portrayed as having been a prostitute, and I guess I've heard this stated about her more times than I can possibly remember. And guess what? It is not in the Bible. She wasn't a prostitute, a woman of ill repute, or a person of some notoriety, or a person of questionable moral character, as the euphemisms go, she was absolutely not any of those things. So what do we know about her? Well, she was a follower of Jesus, a disciple who seems to have been healed of seven demons, as Scripture tells us. And I should say, I think it would be a mistake to equate her seven demons with anything we've seen depicted in Hollywood movies portraying demonic possession. More than likely, seven demons is a way for the author to say she was badly afflicted. The author of Scripture wants us to know this was not just some light or passing malady. This was something terribly troubling and chronic from which she was cured. And, if we were to guess, we can probably assume that in today's language, it would be some sort of mental illness, but we certainly don't know that for sure. So what else do we know about her? Well, we know much of Jesus' ministry centered around the Sea of Galilee, and particularly it seemed to be stationed out of a small town called Capernaum. That's on the northwest end of the lake called Galilee. Capernaum was probably the home base for the disciples because it was the location of Peter's house, which may well have been ministry central for Jesus and his apostles. And just a couple of miles south of Capernaum, along the western bank of the Sea of Galilee, was a town called Magdala. It's generally assumed that her name in Scripture, Mary Magdalene, is really a way of saying that she was Mary who hailed from Magdala. It is interesting and particularly noteworthy that there are four Gospels in the New Testament. In other words, there are four books dedicated to telling the story of Jesus' earthly ministry. And it's not unusual for there to be some discrepancies between them. One will tell a story that doesn't appear in the others. 
I mention this because it cannot be overstated, the importance of the fact that Mary Magdalene appears by name in all four Gospels. We don't spend a great deal of time talking about this, but we should. What it tells us is that almost certainly she was both well-known and hugely respected amongst the followers of Jesus in the very early church. So where did the confusion come from regarding her being a prostitute? Well, one possible answer is that Mary Magdalene has become confused with the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive oil and then wiped his feet clean with her hair. Now, this story has always had some scandalous and sexual overtones associated with it because the gesture of wiping someone's feet with your hair is such a very intimate one. And this particular story is further confusing. In one gospel, the woman who anointed Jesus' feet is given a name, but it's not Mary Magdalene. In other gospels where this story is told, she remains unnamed. I think it's safe to say that the authors of the gospels never intended for Mary Magdalene to be associated with the foot anointing story, and they are, as a group, unclear whether another Mary, and that's Mary of Bethany, was the person who did the anointing. As I said, some make the woman unnamed, while one gospel names the anointer as Mary of Bethany, who happens to be the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Another possible reason for the confusion was that Mary Magdalene is said to have taken oil on Easter morning after Jesus' death to anoint Jesus' body. So perhaps people lumped her together as being the same person as the woman who anointed him earlier because it worked nicely from a storytelling point of view. Yet another reason for Mary Magdalene's misidentification as a prostitute happens almost 600 years later. In a series of Easter sermons delivered in the year 591 by Pope Gregory, he intentionally fused together the stories of three people, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, who I told you about as well, and the sinful woman who anointed Jesus, sinful woman being his words, not mine. So he probably didn't invent the idea, but he certainly helped cement the false notion that Mary Magdalene was a notorious sinner. At best, therefore, the reason for the confusion could have been an attempt to tie stories together that didn't need to be tied together. There is also another possibility, and it is absolutely true and unfortunate that the church through the ages has tended to reduce women into one of just three categories, virgin, wife, or prostitute. Mary Magdalene didn't fit into these three categories, so maybe she was forced into one of the categories by those who couldn't see the upside of having a story about a powerful and faithful follower of Christ who was a woman. Ultimately, She can't even catch a break in contemporary novels. Dan Brown, in his novel, The Da Vinci Code, seems to do the same disservice to her that others have done. He tries to force her into the narrative of being a wife rather than letting her stand in the spotlight that she deserves. The confusion about her story is an unfortunate one because I think it leaves us fascinated by the false narrative of her moral transformation rather than the amazing story of her outright courage and faithfulness. 
She was certainly one of the most faithful of Jesus' disciples, and her courage was amazing. While other disciples fled in fear, she stayed nearby throughout his death. And while the other disciples were wallowing in their shock and fear on Easter morning, she approached the tomb to tend to his body. And it was in the Gospel of John that we are told Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and to her alone in Jesus' first resurrection appearance just outside the tomb. She then takes this information of Jesus being risen to the other disciples. And it is this role as the messenger of the news of the risen Christ that has earned her the title in the early church, Apostle to the Apostles. Interestingly, Gregory, Pope Gregory, named her a sinful woman, but hundreds of years earlier, the term Apostle to the Apostles was already in use in the early church. In a recent podcast, I said there were, in all of church history, a total of 14 apostles, the original 12, plus Matthias, Judas's replacement, and finally Paul. That makes 14. And those are the only people who are explicitly given the term apostle in Scripture. Now, the title may not have been conferred to her by Scripture, but it certainly was in use within the first couple of centuries in Christianity. They were already calling her the Apostle to the Apostles. Just remember, it was the Apostles who were charged with the job of sharing the news of the risen Christ, but it was through Mary Magdalene that Jesus chose to reveal the miracle of the resurrection to the Apostles. Was she a prostitute? Nope, that's not in the Bible. What she was was an amazing woman of courage, faith, and generosity, without a doubt. No wonder Jesus chose her to be the first to see him risen from the grave, chose her to be his emissary to his followers with the most important news the world has ever received. I hope you have a new respect for this remarkable woman. She deserves to have her life and faithfulness celebrated at a level we have not yet achieved. And she certainly deserves not to be known as a reformed prostitute, but forever to be remembered and known as the Apostle to the Apostles. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Please feel free to get in touch with me through email or Twitter. Just remember that both are SkyPilot with three T's. My email is skypilot at gmail.com and Twitter is at skypilot. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember... The sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.